Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 5th of January 2012. For newcomers, always make use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com websites where you find hundreds and hundreds of audios for free download and I try to give you shortcuts really to understanding this big system that you're living under and you truly are living under it across the whole world. And, and I go through the history of it too, where, where gangs of guys, very rich guys of course, a long time ago decided to take over the world. Quite a simple fairy tale really, but it's actually true. And uh, they thought they could manage it better using science and making a, a, a planned society, an organized planned society, post-democratic society which would be easier to run. And they, would, they could train people to simply jump and obey and bring down the population to a reasonable level for post-industrial societies. Simple as that, really. But uh, the whole idea was to go around all sovereignty by simply making treaties, international treaties, through an organization later called the United Nations. And uh, they'd be binding treaties which they couldn't pull out of, at least they claim they could not put out, pull out of. And that's how they would simply do it. It's all been done, accomplished, but before most of you were actually born, in fact. But you have to find out how it was uh, done, and the organizations, foundations, the think tanks, uh, thousands of think tanks, of course, that work with this particular top group. And uh, we're simply living through the upheaval as you go into the, the whole kit and caboodle of the, the whole new world order for this, this phase of it. That, that's all. So everything that's happening today is simply this phase of the new world order. And as Rockefeller said, you can't make an omelette without breaking eggs. So all the economic upheaval, all that kind of stuff is a unified currencies and uh, bring down countries that don't cooperate is simply part of the strategy. As Sim- simple as that, really. Yeah. So uh, you have yourself to the audios, as I say. I give you the names of books you read. I give you uh, the big players in the CFR who write pretty well all the major newspaper uh, pieces, I should say, for all newspapers across the planet. And so they're all on board together, uh, giving you your thoughts, if you have any at all, because most folk really don't care. Most folk truly don't care what's happening until it hits them personally, and then they squeal, of course. But uh, they give everyone their thoughts for the day and our distractions for the day as well. And they also give us the authorized history before they actually do it all. In fact, I'm pretty sure the whole Middle Eastern uh, fiasco was, has been written in, in the history books before uh, they even went in there. But that's how sure they are of themselves. And why shouldn't they? There's no opposition them at all. Remember, too, you can buy the books and discs I've got for sale at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And uh, from the U.S. and Canada, personal checks are good. International postal money order from the post office is good. And so is PayPal and some ability to send cash across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And donations are very, very welcome in these tough times. And for some countries, of course, they're tougher than others because, you know, uh, countries like Canada are already ahead of the U.S. with our version of value-added tax, which they call a general sales tax here. That was brought forth by Mr. Mulroney when he was uh, the front man for Canada at the time. 
uh, they actually tried, they called it value-added tax initially, but it was voted down, so we just simply called it general sales tax, same thing. So for all countries, you see, must bring in a, a value-added tax, general sales tax, whatever they want to call it, pretty, pretty color wrapping paper tax, that's good enough. Taxes are taxes, because under free trade, you've got to uh, start losing a lot of income to your country through uh, import duties under free trade uh, of those countries that have signed on with you. So uh, they make up that money by bringing in this new tax. And uh, the U.S. is still to get it in a big, big way. In Britain and elsewhere, it's, it's 20%. Some countries, it's higher. That's in everything that you purchase, from a chocolate bar to the food on your table. And... Uh, uh, nobody complains. So you can't complain to dictatorial governments. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and I've gone over in the past many of the big well, the books and articles written by big shots. Uh, and of course we're given big shots. You can make a big shot quite easily if you're very wealthy and you're a powerful organization. You find out how H.G. Wells was promoted to the top. You've got to go into his history and find out who taught him and who promoted him, what school he went to. It was actually a very small select bunch that were picked to be the Red Sky, the Red, Red Tie uh, gang they called them. Their job was to go into the world and write scientific futuristic uh, scenarios and bring a lot of reality into it at the same time, a lot of social problems, and eventually encourage readers to to alter their opinions by a fiction, basically. You know, too many people, let's bring them down, or the wrong kind of people, let's let's euthanize them, let's sterilize them, that kind of stuff. And, of course, he helped as one of the founders of the the Fabian Society, which promoted all that stuff. So nobody really is out there on, on any big level without being promoted by a small clique. It's always been that way. Just like the media is all controlled, you see, by the same group, you find it's the same thing with all these authors as well. They have to get selected. Some of them are actually schooled for what they'll have to do, and they have to be totally on board with the agenda, and their books are guaranteed to sell. It takes a lot of money to publish a book and get it up there across the whole planet and promote it, just like a movie. So you can understand whoever ends up on the shelf has been very popular, has been really authorized big time, and has passed all the safety tests, uh, and of course uh, it becomes an immediate hit just by saying so. Simple as that, just by saying, oh, it's a wonderful book, everybody loves it, wow, 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 and away they go and buy it. So that's how you get your, your famous people in history who write books. And of course, even, each, even uh, I think it was... Um, uh, the British Prime Minister Winston Churchill said the same thing when he found out that this particular group that ran all of Britain's uh, media and all of Britain's uh, history books as well, uh, who caused wars, and that was the Royal Institute of International Affairs before it got that name, it was called the Milner Group, he, he didn't know he was kind of out the loop that these guys had been starting wars and, and getting Britain involved in them and then of course uh, he, they were actually writing the history books for Britain. Uh, again, it's all biased towards their, their actual agendas. So they were actually writing the histories as they were doing it and causing wars. Quite something, isn't it? That's power, isn't it? That's real power. But nothing's changed. 
It's even easier today and much bigger. And, uh, and the whole world's been under this uh, false delusion, as they say, for a long, long time, thinking we're just going through things at the time, day by day, and, and sporadic things just happen out of the blue. And uh, you have to go back to George Orwell's 1984, where he, as he's being beaten up and drugged and, and, and tortured by Brian O'Brien, he's, he's asked, who are we fighting today? Because you keep changing your gun sights, you know, from one country to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next, to the next. And that's what we've been living through for years now. Most folk don't notice. They don't really care. As long as no bombs are falling on them, they don't really care. And, and we've been brought to this stage by, by a, a techniques, scientific techniques, which really keep us in ignorance and, uh, and actually keep us out of the loop. We, we, do, we have a choice to be in the loop or out of the loop. And if you're going to be in the loop, then you'll be unpopular with those who are still out of it. And, of course, that's a great technique as well. It works very, very well, and that's peer pressure. You must be crazy to think that. I mean, the media says this and so on. Very simple techniques, really. But most folk are herd animals, you understand. And if you make a weapon, uh, you always find out when you go into the history of weapons making, especially in, in modern warfare, uh, weapons, even bioweapons, are meant to hit the majority of people. There's always a, a minority who are immune to it or get ill and then recover and things like that. Uh, so they, they hope to hit the, the most folk for the biggest uh, buck or the smallest buck, basically, in weaponization. Same thing in psychological warfare. Same thing in educational indoctrination, which is essential for, for ongoing propaganda. You must get that basic education. And Jack Lull talked about that in quite some depth. But uh, it really works on most folk. It's like an inoculation that they'll say, well, let's test him and see if he will get TB now or, or something like that. And, of course, if you do or if you don't get TB, you have to get the, all, the, all the stuff for it. They'll say, well, yeah, it's taken, it's working, you see. Well, it's the same with your indoctrination. Um, they'll test you out later on and you'll give them the proper answer. And that means, yeah, your indoctrination has worked on you. It's a very simple technique. And they have thousands of people working all the time. You're awfully important. You know, your brain is awfully important. It doesn't matter what your IQ is. It doesn't matter how well you did at school. It's a matter of the part that reasons. Is it still working? If it's still working, then you're a danger to the authorities. You might say something one day and people might listen to you. And God help you then. Now, Reality is vastly different, again, to, to what we're, uh, how it's portrayed by loving, caring politicians. We know that's why they're in politics, because they always tell us how they, they, they care about us and, and worry about us, you know, just like you know, shepherds before they skin the sheep and roast it. So, in reality, it's totally different, as you well know. It's a bunch of crooks who get in, psychopathic types who get into politics. They're actually picked up for, for being psychopaths. Because psychopaths worship the more powerful psychopaths above them, and they'll do what they're told, whereas they kind of have disdain for lower-level psychopaths beneath them. That's well and tried and true, uh, tested over many, many, many years. But nothing changes. So those who want to control will always recruit the psychopaths who will lie to the public about anything at all, never blush, never blink an eye, and never worry about it either. So they are recruited, and that's what you see in politics today and for an awful long time before that too. We know the agenda, for instance, 
is to, in this new world order, is to bring a planned society in, where all the useless eaters, as Bertrand Russell called them, and that's as of, of course, in a post-industrial society, uh, down in numbers, vastly down in numbers, by all means possible. And from about the 1950s onwards, in fact, even to, at the end of World War II, the king was still in Britain at the time, held a world conference about, you know, we haven't killed enough people in this war, just like World War I, same thing. Hadn't killed enough people, so we'll have to do something to bring down the population uh, because they'll be breeding for goodness sake, and uh, that's what they do. People breed, you know, and they get better food, then they go and breed, and, and then there's too many of them uh, for us to handle properly. So they had a big, big uh, debate about how to bring down the population. Well, they don't have debates, these characters, for the sake of it, so that they can grouse off about something. They actually come up with agendas which they implement. And, of course, we've seen the, the fertility plummet across so-called first world countries. The countries that got all the inoculations first off the bats, the countries that got all the, the poison food off the bats and, and the waters and the chemicals off the bat, it plummeted. So the fertility plummeted so much so they have to bring in immigrants to claim to pay off the national debt because the, the other generation either won't have children, which is all part of it too, or they can't. They're sterile. Now, the other end of the scale, of course, is, is uh, since we're living in an economic system and we're all e- economic units, the other part of it, of it is the other end. I said this years ago, they start off with the, with the children, and once you accept abortion, you see, uh, you've just dehumanized yourself. You've de- dehumanized your own worth, your own worth. You understand that? There's a consequence to everything. And uh, once you accept that, of course, then you go for the other side of it, the elderly. It's much easier, to, especially when you portray them in all the movies as dithering idiots. Everybody over 60 is a, a blithering, dithering idiot. Have you noticed that? Uh, with Alzheimer's. And they've got nothing to say you know, to these very smart young people <laughs> in all the movies, all the fiction. That's all propaganda too, of course. But... Um, as I say, the United Nations has said that elderly people are really uh, not the best citizens because they're not producers and consumers. They're now simply consumers. And that's not to be allowed. So euthanasia is a much better way to go. And the bankers like it too, and so does government as well, because then they can grab your pension and you'll be dead, so you won't spend it. And they can simply grab it and use it for, for good purposes, you know, like building more military bases across the planet or more ways to kill the rest of us off. So it's always a good a good function to be used for all those pen, all that pension money that won't be used if you simply euthanize all the elderly. And it's far cheaper than putting them into the hospitals that they all paid for all their lives with their tax money. So it says, UK experts say assisted suicide possible under strict criteria, but critics call report biased. You get this, these articles every time or every January as the NGOs, these non-governmental organizations are funded by the big rich foundations, which are owned by the banks, the international bankers. They put all this stuff out at the beginning of the year. And it says anyway here, um, in a report Thursday, the Commission for Assisted Dying uh, described the legal status of assisted suicide in Britain as inadequate and incoherent. It's illegal to help a terminally ill patient or person commit suicide, but pr- uh, prosecutions are rare. In 2009, the government's top prosecutor said most, most people who help terminally ill friends and family members die were unlikely to be charged. Now, this is probably another NGO uh, organization 
uh, in league with the government. And there was a special, a special purpose, uh, NGO, and they would get paid again by the, by the foundations. The commission said it would be possible to legally allow su- su- uh, suicide for terminally ill people under strict criteria. Those who were at least 18 years old and who were making a voluntary choice free from coercion or mental health problems. The experts, they're all experts, you understand that? How can you become an expert in assisted suicide? What's an expert in assisted suicide? Someone who's who's thought about it for five minutes. The experts call for additional safeguards should assisted suicide be legalized, including requiring patients to be seen by at least two doctors. That's awfully reassuring, eh? The system would not let doctors administer a lethal dose, but would give such medication to the patient to take when he or she chooses after the other criteria had been met. The commission is not recommending that any form of euthanasia should be permitted, the report said. Well, that's what they're all on about, isn't it? Critics, however, say the commission was biased and the British Medical Association refused to participate in the report. Well, they should because they're supposed to do no harm, according to the old oath, you see. The commission is supported by Dignity and Dying, another special interest group, again funded by the usual suspects and foundations and other advocates who favour changing the law. It says that one anti-abortion group labelled the network a renewed attack on disabled and elderly people, which of course it is too. If you make your life miserable enough, you'll there's nothing much to live for, is there? Like cutting your pension and stuff. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the matrix and just talking about this time of year when all the NGOs seem to, they give out handouts to the media and the media immediately put them in right in there so they've written them themselves. But it's all to do with uh, things that have to happen for this proper new world order to take place where they want to bring down the population, get rid of all the unfit, undesirable types. And H.G. Uh, Wells talked about in a, mo- a modern utopia, he called it the book. It's worth reading A Modern Utopia. He said in his book, he says, we should just simply sterilize the unfit and let them die off quietly, and then that would get rid of their gene pool, you see. But this is just another way of doing the same thing here. Plus, it's very it's economically viable for, the, for government as well to grab your pensions. They'd rather you just drop dead on your 60th birthday or 65th birthday and not claim a penny of your pension. And you think I'm kidding, too. They discuss all this stuff at the top, you know. Anyway, he's jumping from Britain to, to Canada. Uh, same thing, same thing. The Royal Society of Canada, Royal Society again, where a bunch of crooks those guys are, has recommended that the criminal code of Canada be amended so that people in poor health, it's even poor health now. How are you feeling today? I'm not feeling so great today. Boom, bang, you're dead. <laughs> Would have the right to physician-assisted suicide or euthanasia. It's far cheaper than pills, you see. The six-person panel headed by Queen's University bioethicists. Now, who are bioethicists? Whether well, these are the guys that suddenly popped on the, the television. I would have nowhere, by the way, these sudden experts we didn't know existed, uh, when Dolly the Sheep came along and then they talked about transplants and things like that. And these guys really, it's a new term for eugenicists uh, to do with proper genes, good genes, and, and also the bad genes. So they call them bioethicists now. They're very ethical with the views now, you see. Anyway, bioethicist Udo Schuchlenk claims that fears of the elderly and the infirm of being hastened to death without their full consent are totally unwarranted. Oh, 
Crucia. The evidence from years of experience and research for euthanasia and or assisted suicide are permitted does not support claims that decriminalization will result in vulnerable persons being subjected to abuse or a slippery slope from voluntary to non-voluntary euthanasia, reads a summary of the report's findings. Well, when you look at other countries that have been doing it for a few years, it's amazing the scandals. I mean, there's doctors getting bribed by family members to bump off old, old granny because she's loaded with cash. Things like that's already happened, you see, these things. A nun got killed in Holland, and she didn't want to be euthanized. Uh, but, you know, you have these bureaucratic paperwork just gets all mixed up. Anti-euthanasia observers put little credence in the report, claiming the panel is not at all comprehensive in its arguments. McGill bioethicist uh, Margaret Somerville notes, for example, that the report fails to mention a 2010 poll of more than 2,000 Canadians in which 71 favoured improving end-of-life care against 19% favouring legalised euthanasia and 10% favoured both. Actually, never mind all these percentages, all you can do is, is put out a, a series on television, you know, fiction, very good actors. We, we can't afford them in Canada, we get pretty poor actors, but we could really borrow some money uh, from somewhere and, and bring some good ones up from the States to do a really good uh, docudrama thing and get lots of crying in it and all the, the heart-wrenching things and, and, and we'll all vote for it then. That's how things work in, in the States and elsewhere. You know. RSC's uh, cavalier dismissal of slippery slope fears seem to indicate that the theory has trumped evidence in the panel's findings. A cursory overview of jurisdictions in which euthanasia and assisted suicide have become legal and culturally normalized. Hear that? Culturally normalized? They can normalize anything, folks. Should have given them pause before making such a sweeping statement. When the Netherlands, uh, to, to take the most commonly referenced example, legalized euthanasia and assisted suicide in 1984, assurances just like those of the RSC today were similarly issued. Proponents also said only the terminally ill who asked for euthanasia would be treated. They call it treatment. Needless to say, patients who were not terminally ill but only depressed were soon asking for death, and the public were told not to worry, because only rational depressed people would be killed. See, it's amazing. That's what they say in Holland, eh? Uh, I, I want to kill myself. I'm depressed. You know, are you are you being rational? <laughs> yeah, I can't stand it anymore. These are the guys that read the newspapers, you know, and, and believe them. Then, when Alzheimer's patients started being killed without consent, the soothing argument that only patients who would have asked for death, if only they were competent to do so, would be killed. By 1995, almost 3% of all deaths in Holland were the result of euthanasia or assisted suicide. A Dutch survey renewed or reviewed in the Journal of Medical Ethics looked at the figures for 1995 and found that in addition to 3,600 authorized cases, there were 900 others, a full 25% more where doctors had acted without consent of the patient, mainly for reasons of dementia. Was that the doctor or the patient, I wonder? In a 15% of the cases, the doctors stated they had not held discussions with the patient because they felt they were acting in the patient's best interest. Well, isn't that big brother, eh? Isn't that big brother epitomized right there? Uh, Someone in authority says, well, I think you'll act in their best interest. I'll I'll make the decision. And and there you go. You're bumped off. And that's that's what the government wants, you understand. They're, They're the same themselves. The study's lead researchers concluded the reality is that a clear majority of cases of euthanasia, both with and without request, go unreported and unchecked. Dutch claims of effective regulation ring hollow. Belgium legalized euthanasia in 2002. In 2008, a woman with locked-in syndrome, she was paralyzed but mentally alert and comprehending, asked for euthanasia and also asked for her organs to be harvested at the same time. Her wish was granted 
now Belgian doctors and bioethicists tour Europe promoting the double procedure in PowerPoint demonstrations touting the high quality of organs harvested from patients with neuro or muscular degenerative conditions. In other words, it's a big money boom, you see. In 2010, Oxford bioethicist Julian Savalescu co-authored a paper in bioethics arguing that some individuals could be euthanized at least partly to ensure that their organs could be donated. <laughs> well, business gets into everything, doesn't it? They're so moralistic. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back cutting through the matrix. And just before we go to callers, I want to read that a little bit from an article here to, to show you how we, we go down the tubes into degeneracy, really. Uh, planned degeneracy, of course. If, believe you me, the, the, the culture you're given is authorized from the top down. And if the big boys, I'm not talking about government, way above government. And if they didn't want us to be de- degenerate at this time, we wouldn't be. We'd be living in Leave It to Beaver or something like that, Andy, Andy of Maybury or something like that. But uh, no, they've given us a degenerate culture for the degenerate time because we must produce uh, um, guys for to fill up military uniforms, ongoing wars for 30 years. We've got another 30 years of this to go, apparently. And um, and you want people who, you know, aren't too bright and grunt a lot, you know, and just like with linguistic minimalism. And they've watched off every move there is. And they've been brought up playing these video games, which are meant for the military. You know, that's what they created them for, to desensitize you from killing. So you'll kill right off the bat without thinking. And then they started adding all the, the gruesome stuff into it, rape, torture, and et cetera. And mummies go out and buy this for little boys and, and, and they think it's nothing, it's nothing wrong with it. Cause they're digit. See, the mummies and daddies are degenerate themselves. Every generation gets more degenerate via the entertainment media. Uh, and uh, augmented too by all the experts on television that tell us to be mature about things. We can all handle this. We're responsible adults, don't you know, and all that left-wing nonsense. But anyway, this article here says, Hit Star Wars game lets players own and torment female slaves with electric shock collar. This is for the next bunch you see that's growing up, because they'll have to go over somewhere and, and do all this stuff abroad and terrify the people in that area. Because you see, that's part of torture, is to let it be known to all those outside that, that you're going into, that we're, we're going to torture you and, and make them you know, cringe and feel you know, terrified. So it says, Vet is a companion for, the, for your youth character in the game. Players have the option to be pleasant and have Vet fall out of loyalty or to torture and coerce her into submission. A script has been written specifically for players who choose to torture their slave. Uh, we're our slaves, you see. Uh, and, you know, in the slave societies, some of them actually could fight or, or, or buy their way out of slavery and then own slaves. If you look at all the old... Um, Grave sites in ancient Rome, you'll see some of the biggest slave owners started off as slaves themselves. Anyway, gamers playing the hit online game Star Wars, the Old Republic, are torturing and abusing a female slave character with punches and an electric shock collar and enjoying it. It says the character comes with a shock collar that allows them to ensure obedience. It's just kind of the cops using their, their, their cow prods on people when you won't move, you know, they just shock you and same thing. 
Uh, it's the same thing, folks. YouTube videos show players of the million-selling role-playing hits of using the character with electric shocks and backhanded slaps to the face with captions such as keeping your slave in line. The game has dialogue written specifically for players who choose to treat their companions like this that continues to respond in a lifelike fashion after players have been torturing her for hours. When the first thing the players are given the option to say is obey my every command. The character Vet is a companion that accompanies Sith players, the evil version of Jedi Knights, on their journeys. She's described as a slave, a treasure hunter and survivor. And she's obviously sadomasochistic as well. Players have the option to treat Vet kindly and have her follow them out of loyalty or to coerce her using methods using an electric shock collar. When gamers meet her, they're offered the chance to give their slave more juice, which is electrocuting her. Uh, but the option to treat the character decently does not seem to have been enormously popular with players. Veris, my character's slave, gifted to him by his dark master, writes Mike Fahey on Kataku or something in a blog post dealing how he uncovered the options to maltreat the character via imitating other players. And uh, says YouTube videos showing players of the million selling role-playing hit abusing the character of the shocks, backhanded slaps to the face and captions such as keeping your slave in line. And it goes on and on. She comes complete with a, a convenient high-voltage shock collar, allowing me to administer harsh punishment should you speak or act in a manner unbefitting her station. You know something? Everybody in government is going to want us, that these things, for, and they want us to wear them all. You know, you think I'm kidding, eh? <laughs> it says, I torture her, I tease her, I belittle her in front of others. On occasion, I even make her watch as I have sexual relations with the wife of a slain enemy. Well, that's the sort of stuff that you hear coming out of the battlefields these days. Anyway, I guess it's already over. I first learned of Vets Bat, the sad habit of being regularly tortured in submission during my time with my first Sith warrior character in Star Wars, the Old Republic Rex Fahey. So, there you go. This is what the youngsters are playing today, because they'll have to be the nasty sods. They'll be giving you callers in the future, the near future too, by the way, and shocking all of you and think nothing of it. Ah, ha, 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 you know, they'll watch so fast you go down or not. You know, this, this one's standing longer. Ha, 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 give them their 20,000 volts. Ha, ha, ha. And that's, this, this is fun today, understand? And you think it's all done by private commerce for the sake of just selling things. No, it's authorized from the top. Because believe me, when I was small, anybody trying to make this stuff and sell it to the children would have been lynched themselves. And they wouldn't have needed uh, any, anything to give them a shock, just a good length of rope. And that would have been good enough. But this is how uh, we're run today, you see. Uh, sadomasochistic and these characters with minimalistic thoughts and very small brains uh, will definitely be using them on you. Reminds me too of the, 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 the co- they actually wanted you to wear bracelets on some of the planes a few years ago where they could actually shock you at will. Uh, so I guess that's the, the normalization of the stuff into the process of c- civilization as they call it, if this is civilization. Now we'll go to the callers now and there's, there's Terry from Calgary hanging on there. Are you there Terry? Yeah, sure, I'm Alan. Nice to talk to you. It's been a while. Yep, has. Yep. It does. You know, I've been sitting back here for five years, and in the back of my mind is always um, I'm presented with a problem, whether, you know, it's always, well, what's the solution to the problem of the Patriot Movement? Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here and we're talking about what they've done and what they're doing, and one thing we notice is what they say they're going to do, they do. And it doesn't matter how much I talk about it. Yep. You know, I'm that one odd voice. I've never met anyone else like you or anybody, uh, another one of your listeners. Mm-hmm. That odd guy who has a little bit of information that some people find peculiar, some people find amusing. 
But in the end, it's ineffectual. Yeah. Because I could talk, and I have, over, over five years, till I'm blue in the face, and I can't convince one person of anything. No. No. Absolutely Again, impossible. you have to remember, too, that the society that exists today is a society that was promoted, and, and they said they would bring in to creation back in the 1940s. Uh, and Lord Bertrand Russell put that out in one of his books. He says, and remember, he worked with Aldo Huxley, who was the head of the, he was CEO of UNESCO at United Nations at the time. He said, we'll create a, a culture that is egocentric, egocentronic, uh, and narcissistic, and they'll only be concerned about themselves. They'll be hedonistic. And people who are hedonistic, of course, have no real uh, emotional connection to the person next to them. Everyone's in love with themselves, uh, having fun for themselves, living for themselves uh, individually, but they can't come together. Uh, and because of that, too, they don't even take notice of what's happening around them. Yeah. Sure. Even a hundred years ago, Alan, armed with this information, I couldn't stop the Federal Reserve, and the whole gang of us couldn't. No. Because we were taught to use their system yeah. in order to seek justice, meaning go to the judicial system, call the MPs, or sit out there and protest. And it does absolutely nothing, and in fact, it's rather ineffectual. One only needs to study mass psychology and to know that they want us to get us together in a group because we're dumbed down to the lowest common denominator. We are. We are. And, and not only that, uh, I said many years ago on the radio, I said that you're born into a system, a, a perfect structure system that was not created for the people. Never was. Never, ever was. Uh, it was meant to serve those who already owned the world and, and its commerce and, and all the rest of it and its banking and etc. And uh, you think that all these agencies and all these people that you can go and complain to in departments, you think they're all real until you have to use them. But when you go to use them, you, you find out that, that they're it's like giving you tools. Here's a hammer, here's a pick, and, and, uh, and they're made of rubber. They're made of rubber, you know, you whack it on the road and it bounces off it. Because literally, there's nothing there for the people at all. You're quite right, this was never, this system was never meant for the people whatsoever. Yeah. As a movement though, Alan, we have to sort of say there must be something we can do because they need us to go along every step of the way. Meaning they know the masses, they control the masses, and we can never reach the masses. Yeah. So sitting back, I have to say, what is the one thing I can do as an individual, and I don't want to appeal to any group because I'll be infiltrated in one second, but what can I do as an individual that could actually make a difference? Talking to someone who's not ready to listen does not work. There's one time, and one time only, that you can reach a person, and it's when their foot has been stepped on. Yeah. Whatever reason, they're ready because they've That's been right. diagnosed with cancer and they're dying or they've been kicked out on the street and they're ready to revolt and shout. Now, these people who are all angry then all get together and the only way they know how, they yell in a big group and the majority sit back and go, well, why do they have to wreck things? We all know who does that. Yeah. And they, they're going to get mulled down. And if yes. they keep sitting back and watching these groups, we're then ready to, you know, at least explore or start to question the reality that they've been given in life, get mowed down, we're, we're going to lose it until finally they come for each and every one of us. And it's happened in history and it's going to come again. Yes, you're absolutely right. But my feeling is the only time we can reach people is when they are susceptible, when they've been stepped on. Yeah. But we must stop them from protesting in large groups. Whether that means teaching them, giving them a little information that they can swallow and saying, you know what, 
do not gather, stand on one street corner. If there's someone else on your street corner, then go to another. Yeah. Because as soon as you get together in a group, you're ineffectual, you feel superhuman, but in effect you're subhuman, and that's Jack C. Lowell. You probably recognize that. But they operate on the mass psychology, and that... And as long as we are a small minority, we're ineffectual, and they can give us all the information they want. Amazon.com tells me to read Tragedy and Hope. They don't care if I read it. No. They know I'm ineffectual. Mm-hmm. It's not only that. You understand that the war started an awful long time ago, an awful long time ago. And uh, uh, the human psychology has is, is, is worked out perfectly, especially mass psychology. And uh, you'll you find out that uh, they understand how, how to... Keep the, the rest of the big herd going while they're mowing down a few at the, the, the edges, the fringes. Like the euthanasia, let's go for the elderly, let's bump them off first. And the rest won't care as, as we plod along. But uh, also, uh, we've been deculturalized. You understand, there's nothing holding people together as a culture anymore. And uh, it's only when a culture is strong as a culture, it generally has some kind of belief system, some moral guidance, when that's been kicked out and thrown away, in fact laughed at through comedies until that's normal, uh, then then you have nothing to to bring it together for any cause whatsoever. And and this has been a a long-term goal and plan because, you know, years ago I read a lot of books on, on how previous revolutions worked. And one of the, the problems, even with the communist revolution, is that they had to, sometimes it took 200 years to, to, to bash down the religions until they were so weak, uh, and then give them another 30 years of more of a, a dehumanized society, a me-me society, before they were ready for, for revolution. Uh, and b- before that, people still had the basic rules in their head, the basic simple rules that kept them connected to each other to help each other. Once, once they're out the window, you're fair game, you see. And this was a, uh, this is all, again, psychological warfare. It's been done so well, especially across the U.S., and they don't know it in the U.S. You know, the U.S., the U.S. literally changes every five years uh, to, to a previous U.S. What was the previous U.S.? What was it like 10 years ago in the U.S.? What would they have stood up for 20 years ago in the U.S. till the present U.S.? All they really want to say is, don't make it any worse for me while I live. That's what the average patriot wants. Don't make it any worse. I can handle it right now, just where it is. Leave me with my little video games and my little weekend pastimes, but don't make it worse until I'm dead. I'm gone. Then, then you can do what you want. That's really what they mean. Well, if there aren't enough of us left with enough compassion for that person who does get stepped on and is yeah. on the fringe for each time, because they are the ones who can then help us. Absolutely. The only time we can reach a person, in my opinion, is when they've been stepped on. And if we don't go to those people who've been stepped on mm-hmm. and, and then use them, Yes. And then in turn go on to the next group who's being stepped on and say, no, you won't come for us anymore and you won't mow us down. Because they cannot mow down an individual on a street corner and get public sympathy. Yes, that's right. That's right. But you're quite right. And people too have been thrown out of their homes because of these, these shyster mortgage companies that came along. Uh, that's it's a good time to get them as well because they are, they have been wronged. They have been wronged. They are hurting. And the public uh, should sympathize with them. But, um, uh, again, uh, you can't depend on the media to tell you who they are. You have to find them yourself, and, and then you have to start getting the word out. Um, we're controlled by media, as you well know, totally controlled. But uh, I can remember when farmers even, uh, remember they went to Ottawa and they dumped thousands of tons of manure on the steps because of some tax that they were, they were, they were hit with. I mean, they, they used to be, have affirmative action, believe you me. And uh, they did things as groups, 
And, and, and they stood up when one farmer was getting kicked off his property or his, his farm repossessed. They stood up and they did these kind of things and it got attention and it got action as well. So. Doesn't seem to stop the plan though. Doesn't seem yeah. to stop the plan. Yeah. Regardless, and we're sitting each day, we're reading all these articles and in the end, you know, of, of getting all this knowledge and in, in the end, how sensitive am I becoming to the propaganda as it become more and more knowledgeable? Mm-hmm. To the yeah. point where I think they are unstoppable, um, they are all-powerful, and they will do whatever they want. Well, they're pretty well told us that, you know. Well, yeah, but I know they need us. They need us uh, only to finish off their wars. That means they have an Achilles heel. Yeah, they need us uh, to finish off their wars. They, they need us to, 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 to keep paying cash out into pensions and things while they use the cash through the transition phase into the type of society that, uh, that H.G. Wells talks about in a modern utopia, so and into the new system. So they do need us for a limited time, but believe you me, they, they, they have no uh, liking for us at all. Yeah. Well, there's, there's decades left, in, in my opinion, before the majority is is gone, 90% is gone, and the rest of us are brain-chipped and un- unaware of ourselves as individuals. So they're You're absolutely right. They're absolutely right. the memory to pass on this information. Yeah, or, or folk who want to even receive it or are capable of receiving it. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. So I, ju- I just think as a movement, if we're not looking for a solution, if I was hired by a think tank, I wouldn't be told, no, that there is no solution. They'd say, go back to work. Mm-hmm. So... There has to be a solution, and it, certainly we don't need to follow a leader because we get led down the God Garden path, as you know. But as individuals, we got to start asking, "What can I do?" and That's start right. doing it instead of listening and going humming and hawing every day. And oh, look, they are going to turn us into garden fertilizer. Yeah, yeah, which which they're actually doing in some countries already. Yeah. So, but it's it's true. Uh, again, we've lost our cultural, uh, the things that bind us together as a people. And so you, that's what you've got to regain. And you cannot, and, and people won't like what I'm going to say. You, they won't like this. But unless you have a common morality, it won't, go, it won't work. You've got to have a morality. And we've been given nothing but immorality, immorality getting worse until it's sick now. It's utterly into sickdom, you know, uh, with torture, etc., for fun. That uh, they knew that that's how you destroy people. You bring them into utter degeneracy. That's what uh, Bezmanov said from the KGB. They were so surprised at the contamination that they'd caused through, through using the entertainment media, mainly, uh, and, and uh, the very so-called left-wing or liberal uh, professors in universities. They were so, so delighted, it says, that they totally destroyed the natural bonding uh, between male and female in America. It worked so well. But thanks for calling back after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix and we'll go to Aaron from Nevada if he's there. Hello? Is Aaron there? Yes, um, you're hitting the nail on the head again. Yes. BFR.org uh, experts page. I mean, these guys specialize in experts. The Council on Foreign Relations David Rockefeller Studies Program, CFR's think tank, is home to more than 70 full-time Blah, 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 blah. They call them themselves fellows. Yeah. And so here they are. He's got this one sewn up, and he's got the Trilateral Commission sewn up with their main guy, Monty 
who's now, what, president of Italy. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, they don't need to be elected. They're experts. They They're experts. They make all the guesswork mm-hmm. out of it for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I put one. I, I put their list up, I think, maybe two weeks ago. And uh, they have them in all countries. They have them all across the EU Parliament. Uh, uh, they're across the whole planet. Every country has members of them in it. And, of course, the, the, the grandfather is the Royal Institute of International Affairs in Britain. That's why they call them fellows. They get all that terminology from. But, uh, but you're quite right. They, they run everything. They run all the media. Uh, they run all um, uh, book publishing. And history books, sociology books, every, every kind of book you can imagine is, is their members who write it all. And they're all from the, the Ivy League schools in all countries. And yeah, they have it all sewn up. You can't join it, by the way. You have to be asked to join it. And they really test you out to make sure you're on board with them. And they've been on the go for an awful long time. Uh, they talked about creating world government in some of their, their books back, their publications back in the 1930s. I have them here. I had the World Meetings books here as well, where they talked about the coming war with Japan in 1937 <laughs> and how, how helpful it would be if Japan were to attack up the U.S. and bring them into the coming war with Germany. <laughs> so these guys have been awfully, awfully busy uh, right up to the present time, uh, making sure that uh, society is exactly as they wanted it to be. Plus, they have goodness knows how many university professors, all specially selected, uh, placed in the right positions, teaching the right subjects, to ensure the next bunch of members will grow up to join them as well. So they do have it all sewn up, as you say. Uh, we're directed. Uh, these characters also do all the writings for high tech and so on, promote certain things for for the young uh, they've got it all sewn up. What can you say? Yeah. Um, may I ask you, secondly, um, boots on the ground in Israel, U.S. boots on the ground in Israel is reported today. Yeah. With respect to the you know, morals and dogma, is this a possible uh, betrayal of Israel to the Christians? Or what is the impact, you think, of boots on the ground out inside Israel, the 11th Crusade possibly here, formally? It's, it's not really that. In fact, uh, the U.S. had boots on the ground in, in Israel uh, during the Iraqi war. And they're doing the same thing right now, by the way. They're bringing in the next bunch of, of Patriot missiles for Israel to be protected by. And they'll keep them there. But NATO, it's even more important, NATO are, are sending troops in there, supposedly for an earthquake exercise. I mean, who's kidding who? But uh, no, it's, uh, it's to make sure that, that nothing comes near Israel. Uh, and that's simply the deal. Um, uh, there's nothing else to it. They're going to save Israel against for all costs. And, in fact, a lot of these wars that are going on is, is really to clear the way for Israel to take over more territory, as far as I can see. Their enemies certainly will all be gone. You know? But the thing is, now, now America is going to have enemies forever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so uh, much. That's a problem. Thanks for calling. But from Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God or your God's school with you.